Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, John, uh, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he calls them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Sandwiched neatly in between the Feast of Christ the King and Advent Sunday, we find ourselves this evening invited to look through the lens of Andrew at this well-worn text from Matthew's Gospel. A beautiful, I think, and compelling story of simple people called to a great thing. Simple people called to a great thing. And with that in mind, there's two points from our Gospel reading that I want to draw to our attention. But before I do that, I wanted to say something generally about the direction of the text as a whole. Matthew doesn't waste a word. And he sets the scene, I would say, masterfully with the pedestrian picture of Jesus walking. But it's not just about one foot in front of the other in the physical sense, is it? Spiritually speaking, Matthew wants us to join him in grappling with this reality of Jesus' physical steps as heralding the inbreaking of God's kingdom, crossing boundaries, bringing salvation, and envisioning us for a new way of being in the world. Remembering particularly, as I was preparing, the words of St. Athanasius, who, uh, speaking of Jesus, talked about him becoming what we are so that he might make us what he is which is a human being in right relationship with the Father. Matthew wants us to see that this new way of being in the world, alive to the Father, in step with his purposes, in the power of the Spirit, was not only evident in Jesus' life. So we're learning something about Jesus here. But with that, it is the path that each of us is invited to follow him along. So we're learning something about ourselves here also. Opiso is the Greek word Matthew uses here for follow. I hope you're impressed. I practiced that all afternoon. <laughs> um, it, it literally means after, behind, or the back of someone. The idea being of walking directly in the footsteps of the person right in front of us, the one we're following. If any of you have ever um, gone as far as Hope Head and had to walk one of those tight you will have had to walk directly, not beside, but directly behind the person that you're with. It's quite a picture, I think. Jesus' steps are to be our steps too. Did you catch that? Jesus' steps are to be our steps too. He wants us, invites us to come after him, to walk with him, to be like him, to follow his lead, and to see his life as a model for our own. 
And in terms of our grappling with the overall direction of this text, I think one of the ways it faces us is that it causes us to ask, what will our response be? Are we, will we follow Jesus? Will we be like him? Will we walk with him? And what will this mean for our lives and our families, our resources, and ultimately our parishes, the context that God calls us to minister in? So two things I think in particular in, that stand out from within the text that I think help us to find and start finding some answers to these questions about the shape of following. Starting with Jesus' comment about fishing for people in verse 19. So let's reflect on that and on those words for a minute. In stark contrast to other Gospels, uh, this first calling moment in Matthew uh, is reduced to its bare essentials and it arrives um, off the back of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and almost without any warning. But it's plainly worded, just in case we get our wires crossed. The disciples are not merely called to be keepers of aquariums, caring for and feeding the fish that are in their tanks, but they are called to give over their nets, to be part of what God is doing in the deep waters of culture and society, and to bring the fish caught <coughs> into the community of Jesus' followers. Sounds easy, <laughs> right? But let me just press pause there for a minute. It's not as easy as it sounds, especially in the times that we're living in. Unfortunately, many of the pastors and clergy that I get to have conversations with these days, they find the occupation of keeping aquariums clean and hot and with the, the right kind of coffee served at the back so time-consuming and all-absorbing that they seem, they feel, to never progress to being fishers of men. So what can be done about this? There's a warning here for us. Fishing for people isn't something to be left to others. In my notes, I have something to be left to the evangelicals, but I just crossed that out before I got in the car. Now I've told you all that. <laughs> it's not something uh, to be delegated to those who have particular contexts and gifts that maybe uh, lend itself to this idea of fishing for people. It's not just for people who have access to greater resources, but it is, I would suggest, based on what Matthew 4 tells us, it is central to the shape of our opiso, our following. Being like Jesus means fishing for people. We don't get to separate them out from each other. So that's the first piece. And then the second is connected to it, and it comes in the form of this word immediately that is repeated in verses 20 and 22. It's a, it's a phrase typical of Matthew, but here in chapter 4 it works to expose the disciples' response, which is that of obedience. And it calls us to trust God with what matters most to us, our reputation. It calls us to trust God with what people might say about us. When the Lord commands it, no hesitation is expected. Immediate obedience is always the appropriate response to his call to fish for people. After his announcement of the kingdom, Jesus not only begins to gather himself, his immediate group of disciples, but with that he widens his ministry to the crowds too. What might it look like 
What might this look like in your lives and parishes? What might joining in with God's renewal of all things look like for you? What preferences and approaches might we need to bring ashore and leave behind? What ways of being and approaches to ministry might we need to embrace and obedience? Which leads us finally to Andrew and to his role in all of this. One of our prayers highlighted this so beautifully earlier. In John chapter 2, verse 40, we learn that Andrew is someone who, having had his life reordered by Jesus, leaves and goes and shares the good news with his brother. Imagine if he hadn't. Simon Peter is promptly brought into the new thing that God is doing in Jesus too. But John doesn't stop there. He just changes the names and the characters um, of the characters with the aim of making the same point. We're introduced very quickly to Philip, who, like Andrew, leaves the party to go and find somebody else, Nathaniel, who Jesus has seen, already seen prophetically. But what excites me most about Andrew is that this moment of obedience has a direct impact on the future of the church. If we needed some encouragement to be obedient in this, it's that sense in which it is joined to, that sense in which our obedience is something that we can see impacting the, the church as it grows around us. And I believe that, that our, in, our, in our obedience, we'll see that too. Maybe not always in the way we would prefer or enjoy. I've been learning that the hard way in Dublin 8 over the last eight years. But in and through the obedience of going and sharing and casting our nets with God, we too will see, I believe, simple people called to a great thing. Who is it, like Andrew, that we might be sent to bring good news to? Let it be, Lord, in our day and in our time. Make your ways now. In the name of Jesus, have good news.